in five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Maximize Your Medicare podcast. While the information on this podcast is believed to be correct, you should verify all facts. Nothing in this podcast is to be construed as financial advice. It is not the offer for you to purchase any instrument or any interest in any financial contract, including but not limited to insurance. The opinions expressed in this podcast are mine and mine alone. They are not affiliated with the Department of Health and Human Services or financial institution. Introducing the complimentary two-week sample of Instaflex, our most powerful joint formula ever. It's the number one selling joint supplement at GNC. The only thing our complimentary sample of Instaflex is missing is the price. Because right now, we're offering adults a complimentary two-week sample as part of a nationwide giveaway. Call and claim your sample today. 1-800-451-9673. Instaflex provides powerful, effective joint relief for your knees, hands, even your hips. Prove it to yourself by calling now for your complimentary sample. Instaflex is available at GNC, Walgreens, and Vitamin Shop. But you can only get your complimentary two-week sample by calling 1-800-451-9673. Call now for your two-week Instaflex sample. 1-800-451-9673. News coverage. Uh, We're going to continue to do everything we can to repeal the president's failed health care law. News. American people deserve much better than what they have seen here in this crisis-lurching situation that the House Republicans have created for us. Talk show. Now, it's Healthline with Art Lewis on News Radio 790 WSGW. Uh, good morning to you. Welcome. Welcome back uh, to Healthline here on WSGW. And uh, we welcome back a special guest with us this morning. He's written a book called Maximize Your Medicare, and he even has the 2014 updated edition available. And we say good morning to J.O. Good morning, Art. Happy hey, New Year to you. Same to you. Thanks for coming in this morning. Thank you. Um, I want to I, I want to talk a little bit. You know, the, the Affordable Health Care Act is out there. Obamacare, folks, in case you don't recognize the name. Has that had any impact on Medicare at all? And will it have any impact on Medicare? There's no change to the enrollment process in terms of the dates that that a person should originally or initially enroll in Medicare. The annual election period will stay the same. We're right now in some other special dates that we can discuss. Mm-hmm. But the question is going to be over time whether or not money is being diverted from the Medicare system to pay for the Affordable Care Act. Yeah. No. Wait a minute. Money's been diverted from Social Security and Medicare for years. I mean, <laughs> they just take it out. They don't put it back. They just take it out, you know. But anyway, I understand what you're saying. The way it's supposed to work, of course, is that you know the Affordable Care Act will push down the overall cost of health care, thereby with effects back to Medicare beneficiaries. Whether or not that actually materializes, I think, you know, is yet to yeah, be well, seen. Well, we haven't seen it yet, that's for sure. We won't see it for some uh, time, I guess. Long time. Um, so here's, and I ask that's for a reason, because those of us on Medicare, and I'm certainly old enough, and I was just having this conversation with, with Dave Maher at the station, um, you have your Medicare A and B, which are the, right. the two basic Medicare, your hospitalization, and your doctors, and all that stuff. Uh, and you have D, which is your drug coverage, or in some cases, some people have advantage plans, which 
right. combine all of that stuff. Um, and then those of us don't have advantage plans that have A, B, and D. We have supplemental plans that have this alphabet soup of letters. And my thought is, well, a lot of these plans are outside of Medicare, even though they're approved by the government. They're outside of Medicare. Are they going to get changed because of the Affordable Care Act, or are they going to stay the same because they, they don't come under that umbrella? They don't come under that umbrella, Art. So those are private contracts between the carrier and yourself. So the way they work is that as long as you pay the premiums, then the contract stays as originally written. So they shouldn't change the letter the terms and conditions of it won't change that doesn't mean that base medicare or original medicare will not change that may be subject to change mm-hmm. uh, so you know that's an interesting comment about it's a private contract between myself because a lot of people who just lost their insurance would say hey wait a minute now that was a private con- whoops that was a private contract between me and my my carrier, yet the carrier told me that they're going to cancel it because the policy doesn't meet the terms of, uh, of Obamacare now, you know. Well, those, those plans, the ones that um, didn't, were not Obamacare compliant, those plans were always annually renewable, right? So that, wasn't, that was an annual contract, mm. not a continual contract. So my, Your Medicare supplement plan is not an annual contract. Oh, is that right? Correct. I have to take it, it. It automatically continues. Period. Unless I interrupt it during the uh, during the period of time that I have to be able to do that, right? Carrier has the right to change the premium. Yeah. They oh, don't yeah, have the I know right. That. To, <laughs> they don't have the right to change the letter of the actual the uh. language of the contract. Under private health insurance, as most people learned at the very, or many people learned. At the end of last year, that was an annually annually renewable contract, but because it did not comply, they could not then renew, which is quite different than Medicare supplement. Yeah, so so something we don't have to worry about that if we have one of the alphabet soup of plans, we still have it. It just keeps going. That's true. Um, That doesn't mean to say that the Medicare system, the CMS, won't say that a particular plan is no longer allowable by any carrier. They can, they are they allowed change. to do that. They have done it. The, the CMS can do that. Correct. Right, which is the yep. clearinghouse for all of the Medicare stuff, right? It's really um, a, it is the uh, part of the Department of Health and Human Services that administers Medicare. It's a government agency then? It is. It's not, not a private agency. No, it's no. not a private agency. It just administers Medicare. That's Correct, yep. So they've changed before. They've said this plan is out. Yeah, I think, for example, if you look at the grid of alphabet soup that you mentioned, that plan J, for example, no longer exists. When medic, when the standalone prescription plans, which is part D, were introduced, that plan, for example, stopped existing. And if you look deep into the small print of, you know, the debates around Medicare, you know, there are, you know, small whisperings of the fact that certain plans, you know, are subject to some scrutiny in the future. And do we know which ones those might be? <laughs> Hard to, you know, I don't want to speculate here, but I would imagine that Plan F, Plan C are two that have been mentioned in on Capitol Hill. Stop! I have Plan F. Wait, time. <laughs> That's the one that lets you sleep at night. I mean, it covers all the deductibles, covers all the overages. It's that's the that's the 
quote, the Cadillac, so now I understand why, because he's, they're going to just, oh, well. Hard to say, and like I said, you know, because Medicare is so politically charged, we're talking about a pretty slow-moving glacier here before something that such so dramatic would occur. But that's not to say that the debate hasn't occurred. Yeah. You can see transcripts of debates on Capitol Hill amongst the Senate uh, members where the proposal has actually, or the, the discussion has actually taken place. The, uh, the, the basic premise of Medicare was to provide health coverage for seniors, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, has it stayed pretty true to its cause? Has it expanded? You know, you look at, look at Social Security, and it was supposed to be the safety net for retirement, so to speak, you know. And it's expanded into so many other areas and does so much more than anybody ever anticipated and costs so much more. Has Medicare found itself in that boat? Or does Medicaid take up that? No, I think before I make this comment here, I, I, I'm going to tell you that uh, this is me speaking as private citizen and author of this book. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think that Obamacare, the plans you know, under, under the Affordable Care Act are, are providing a great amount of transparency to Medicare beneficiaries. The reason is this. If you're 64 and a half years old and you have a gold plan almost anywhere in this nation... You're talking about over $1,000 a month. Right. Right? And it has an annual out-of-pocket maximum of 6350 which is the Obamacare Max. Act maximum. Right. Cap. Right. If you compare that to your plan with prescription drug coverage and no co-payments, no deductibles, no out-of-pocket, there's no concept of out-of-pocket maximum because... Your entire medical, your, at least your medical portion, is determined by your health care premium. You pay three hundred a month, four hundred, and as you get well, I can older, tell you now, with my A, let's see, with my A, because I, I've got the, the top tier of all right. the plans with yep. my A, B, D, and F, mm-hmm. it's just under four hundred a month, right? Less than four hundred a month, exactly, just a little less. So what I'm saying for is my that, age, exactly seventy. Yeah. A 64 and a half year old person, Obamacare compliant gold, with a $6,350 out of pocket maximum, is well over, is $1,000 a month at least. So, so we haven't even got to the platinum. And, and the gold, now if I, if, I, if I remember right, you know, bronze is like a 40% copay, silver is 30, gold is 20, platinum is 10. So you're talking about a policy that has a 20% copay besides. And a deductible somewhere along the line. It's not the copay schedule, really. What it is is the the way that they got these medallions is the people with the you know nicest pocket protectors. They calculated <laughs> right that they they calculated you know on average how much the plan would cover. Okay, and so as a result, they put them into those tiers. So that's how they got it. So now we there are a large number of components. Right, there's the health, there's the prescription coverage, for example. And when you add it all up into your soup, you know, we're just coming right. after listen to the missus. So, yeah. now, you know, <laughs> once you get that recipe, then you figure out kind of what on average the cost that the plan covers. And then they got assigned a medallion. Okay. And I, we're not focusing on Obamacare. That's right. not what we're talking about. But I do have to make one observation. And I just, I have to say this because I've just 
I'm, I'm frustrated with all of this. They're going to give subsidies to folks at the low-income end of the scale. And those folks, for the most part, are going to buy either the bronze or the silver plan. They're not going to get the gold. They're not going to get the platinum. Those plans have the highest deductibles and the highest copays. Right. First time they go in the hospital and get a big bill, they're going to find out that even though they've got subsidy on their insurance premium, premium now all of a sudden, you know, they're going for a $20,000 stay in the hospital. Well, let's say we got a maybe a four or $5,000 deductible they're going to have to pay. And then a 30 or 40% copay they're going to have to pay. They come out of the hospital, they got a $10,000 bill they can't pay. Who's going to pay that? That's what really frustrates me about this whole thing, about how it's supposed to get everybody involved and everybody's going to have, quote, insurance. There's no easy solution here, Art, because um, that same person, for example, if someone required a substantial amount of medical care as a result of cancer, let's just say, chemotherapy, right. radiation therapy. Right, right. right. Now you're talking about a, you know, generically speaking, a six-digit bill. Sure. Right? Absolutely. And with no... With no health insurance, right? There's no light at the end of the tunnel for the average American family, right? That like I not, understand, right? Right, and the entire bill gets left at the provider, mm-hmm. and we all pay for it, and we all have. Well, this way, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm just playing devil's advocate, yeah, so we, right, we, we can take any issue. That's the fun of it. <laughs> um, is that <clears throat> right? At the risk has then shifted to the insurance carrier. Is the math of which? Well, that's where the, you could. Where so you where could does the state, insurance carrier shifted to? Well, they've got limitations. Well, but they, they have limitations on price, and they, they have they also do, but they also have limitations on losing money because they're not in business. I mean, somehow that that has to be shifted on to the premium payer at some point in time. Yes, that would be the case to the extent that um, all carriers become non-profitable over time. Which, and of course, that's if you have followed, and, I'm, and sure. you have, right, which is that the management of the largest carriers have withdrawn from... Bailed out of a lot of places. A, a lot of places because they can't identify the cost correctly. Yeah. Or they don't have the confidence that they can do so. And, or, and I'm, or they're restricted. I'm putting words into their mouths, but you know that is the but short, that's short the version. Yeah. All right, we're going to get back to talking about Medicare here because <laughs> but it's all it's all part of health coverage. It's it is. It's all part of the big picture. Sure. And uh, we will do that. Uh, if you'd like to talk to Jay, if you have any questions about Medicare, how it works, or uh, various plans, 752-6111. Toll free 866-790-WSGW. The book, Maximize Your Medicare, available on Amazon and others. We'll be back. Warning. If you've recently declared bankruptcy, you're going to want to change the station. Because there's an alternative to bankruptcy, and it's faster than you'd ever think possible. But if you've already declared bankruptcy and have missed this opportunity, you'll want to change the station now. Here it is. Right now, the company that has resolved more credit card debt than anyone in the U.S. is available to settle your debt, too. You may reduce your debt with one low monthly program payment. If you call right now, Freedom Debt Relief will show you how low your monthly program payment could be for free. Call now. 1-800-641-5266. That's 1-800-641-5266. If you're struggling with debt, this could be your answer. And the bigger your debt, the more money you could save. To find out for free how much of your hard-earned money Freedom Debt Relief could help you save, call now. 
If you own a business, you know incorporating can be a smart way to protect yourself and your assets. So the question is, why haven't you incorporated your business yet? My business is too small. Wrong. No matter how small your business, you run the risk of losing all your personal assets, your car, your home, even your entire life savings if you're not incorporated. Incorporating is very complicated. Actually, incorporating is easy and fast. You can do it in just 10 minutes. Call now for your free guide from LLC.com. 1-800-941-9459. I need a lawyer to incorporate. That's really expensive. You don't need a lawyer, and we don't offer legal or financial advice. LLC.com is a service company whose only mission is helping people like you incorporate safely, easily, and quickly. Find out how simple it is to protect your family and personal assets by incorporating. Call now for your free guide. 1-800-941-9459. 1-800-941-9459. That's 1-800-941-9459. The WSGW Morning Team with Charlie, Dave, and Art. Web poll is focused on the possibility in the state of Michigan a budget surplus exists. They're in the black. In fact. Well on the black. Yeah, over the next three years, if I'm hearing projections properly, it might be as much as $1.3 billion. What are they going to do with it? That's the question. What will be done with the surplus? Our poll question, what should be done with the surplus? Stash the cash in a rainy day fund? Give it back to taxpayers with a tax rate cut, replace tax credits for child care, charitable contributions, and others, or increase spending on schools or roads, or both. This is your way to influence lawmakers in Lansing, because as you know, they listen to us. To vote, you visit WSGW.com. Look for the WSGW poll box down the home page. The Morning Team, weekdays 530 to 9 on WSGW. Um. Dennis Miller entertains you with interviews and conversational fun. Your vocabulary increases, too. Weekdays at noon on WSGW. Welcome back here on WSGW. My guest in studio is J.O. He has authored a book called Maximize Your Medicare. It's available at Amazon and uh, some other places, too, I guess. Huh? You can order it by going to your bookstore and asking for it. They will special order it for you. There you go. Very good. Um, we got a caller waiting. Al is in Saginaw. Al, you're on with J.O. Good morning. Hello, Art and Jerry. How are you guys doing? Great. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm in the medical field, and I get a lot of patients who do a lot of reading and research. And this came up about four weeks ago. I had a patient in who was a cancer patient. He was telling me he had seen his oncologist. And he had mentioned to him that his chemo drugs were getting a little bit expensive for him. And his oncologist told him, he said, well, you're 72 years old. you only got two more years to worry about it. And obviously the gentleman got upset. He said, is there something you're not telling me? And he says, no, 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 you're doing fine. He said, under Obamacare, when you reach age 74, um, they'll no, no longer pay for your meds, nor to see me. Now, when I presented that question to my physician, he said that was true. So if that is indeed true and, and can't be... As part, of, 
as a part of Obamacare as opposed yes. to Medicare? As part of Obamacare. So if that's true and that copies uh, socialized medicine, which is true in Europe and Canada, then would Medicare ever copy that because hmm. I'm a Medicare eligible? <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, so thanks, Al. Dis- <laughs> I'll, I'll let you discuss this and I'll uh, hang up, okay? All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. I can tell you one thing that has changed here, but in sometimes, you know, Obamacare is the easily identified, you know, culprit. Either the it is the root of all evil, or it is the or it is the salvation. Um, But certain the growth rate or the price increases that providers are being paid for, for example, which is not directly related to what Al has is. Uh, comment was about has been changed or held frozen as a result of the sequester which is separate from the Affordable Care Act. <clears throat> so what ends up happening is the elected officials they say well see this is the culprit and they misidentify it by just putting it everything under the umbrella of Obamacare. Yeah. Well the other thing too is you know when some of these things are going to come forth and they're going to start getting negative reactions from their constituents. You're going to you're going to see Obamacare at some point. This is my guess. You're going to see at some point Obamacare tweaked and trimmed, uh, and and things reinstated. And and you know this is the way government works. And they don't do anything efficient. You were saying this during the break. They don't do anything efficient, which leads me to. The one thing we didn't talk about, and it used to be referred to as Plan C, but they're Advantage Plans, right? Right. Explain, first of all, what an Advantage Plan is, and is there an advantage to an Advantage Plan? Medicare Advantage Plans, which were, like you correctly pointed out, were known as Medicare Part C. They combine components of Part A and Part B together, and in many cases also include prescription drug benefits. They're administered by private insurance carriers. They are an annual contract, meaning they run from January to January. So the reason that people get flooded with mail and see lots of advertisements on TV and commercials at the end of the year is because of that annual election period. And that's and you have to do that within a certain window from like, uh, what, late October to early December or something like that, whatever the dates are. Right. It was October 15th through December 7th of last year to begin on January 1st of this year. The advantage of these plans is that, first of all, it's convenient, right? You don't really officially use your red, white, and blue Medicare card. The Medicare Advantage card takes place. It doesn't mean that I'm suggesting that you should throw away or shred your Medicare card, but when you go to your medical provider, you actually bring the Medicare Advantage card uh, instead. Now, my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, though, that this is almost like an HMO. By that, I mean they tell you where you're going to go. They tell you who the doctors are you can see. You don't have free choice to go to your own provider who may not be in the Advantage plan, right? There's every shade of gray here. On on one end of the spectrum, there is there are HMOs where you have to go to a primary care physician who refers you to a specialist. Mm-hmm. And the Medicare Advantage plan in that case won't pay unless you go to a provider inside their network. 
If you go to the other side of the spectrum, still within Medicare Advantage are PPOs, for example, where you don't need to go to a primary care physician. You can go to a network provider or an out-of-network provider, but at different prices. Network provider, they pay for the whole thing in Advantage or not? No, not necessarily. But if you compared the co-payments or the deductible rates, for example, in network and out of network, you vary greatly. And if I might make one comment, I would definitely have seen the trend for the difference between those two to widen and you know, I don't have a crystal ball, but I don't think it's a heroic prediction to say that I would expect that to continue to expand. Now, since there are copays involved, can you have an advantage plan and a supplemental plan? You or cannot. You cannot. So supplemental plans only work with Medicare A and B right? as opposed to an advantage plan. So if you go into an advantage plan, you are responsible for whatever co-pays there are, whatever deductibles there are. You are responsible for them. You can't have anything else that picks those up. Correct. Okay. I guess the other couple of points here are that the schedule of co-payments and deductibles, the cost-sharing terms, that changes on an annual basis. So what's going to happen, what's happening at the carriers now, everybody's breathe their sigh of relief and New Year's is over, and now they're planning on 2015. And the design of the plans, and those are going to be submitted, you know, during the middle of the year to be approved, and then they do the drill again. Somewhere in the back of my mind, and I don't know where I read this or where I heard this, but I had heard, in putting it in simple terms, that Advantage Plans could become a thing of the past that, that that they may be phased out or a lot of companies are getting out and i'm not sure what i heard about it but i just remember hearing something about those advantage plans it's certainly been the case that you could see that um that speculation in the press but reality is is that for 2014 the cms contribution to medicare advantage actually increased and I can't remember the exact number. I want to say 3.3%. Okay. Compared to 2013. Um, that said, if you look at the carrier side, they are making statements to say that the amount of money that they're receiving from the CMS is causing them, you know, stress and thus limitations to services, etc. And you can see that most recently. A um, pretty large headline at the very end of this year is United Healthcare, the nation's largest Medicare Advantage carrier, has told a certain set of number of um, physicians, "You're no longer part of our network." We should point out they're the ones that provide the AARP uh, insurance. It is uh, the it is the one that is labeled with the AARP, which is um, you know. Kind of ironic. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, good. Let's take a phone call. It's so confusing. Wes in Saginaw, you're on with J.O. Good morning. Good morning. I'm a disabled veteran, and my needs, medical and prescription, are covered through the VA. Do I have to become part of the affordable care plan? How old are you, can I ask? I'm 82. Oh, okay. All right. And let me let me. can I tag a question onto that, too? Uh does he or should he become part of Medicare? 
because he has the VA coverage. Let's let's tackle that one first because he's probably outside the window of what he would need in terms of Obamacare because he, he has Medicare to choose from, right? Exactly. Our Obamacare, the terms and the, the things you're hearing on the news, sir, those don't really apply to you. Oh, good. Yep. The main things you need to deal with are, as Art pointed out, is whether or not you've signed up for Medicare Part B, which was which you may or may not have, and it's been my experience in dealing with other veterans that the if I ask fifty different veterans, I'll get at least fifty different answers. Okay. Okay, but you do not have to deal with the bronze plan or healthcare.gov <laughs> or anything like that. No, sir. Very good. Thank you. Well, thanks, and thank you for your service. Bye-bye now, Wes. And we will take a break. If you have a question for Jay, 752-6111, toll-free, 866-790-WSGW. Jay wrote the book, Maximizing Your Medicare. He also makes various appearances in an instructional fashion. Where are you going to be in the near future? Have you got some things coming up? In the very near future, south of here, I'm going to be in Clarkston as well as in our state's capital, library systems in both areas. I'll be back in this area. Um, I'll be... Where will I be? Oh, let's see. Delta College, February 21st. Bay City Lions That's the Club, bit, February the, 5th. The Bits and Bites, which is yeah. the lifelong learning, the luncheon uh, time. That's correct. And then throughout the first quarter, U.S. Congressman um, Kildee has, or their office, I should say, has coordinated a number of dates for me to speak at different in different counties. All right. We'll be back with Jay in just a couple of moments here on WSGW. Back with you here on WSGW, the Healthline Show. J.O. is our guest. Uh, he's written the book, Maximize Your Medicare. Um, and we should also point out, just, just as full disclaimer, you, you're you a certified... I'm a cer- certified financial planner. And those letters that you were all yeah, talking yeah, about during yeah, the yeah. Uh, first... CFP and what else you got? You were CL- going for another one too, right? CLU, CHFC, those things that were referred to by your gentleman from Hilliard Lions that I heard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that applies to me, so I passed the tests. So you got all those <laughs> tests passed, right? <laughs> And you are in. You have your own uh, concern, or do you work for someone? Oh, I'm so, on Medicare matters. I am a licensed agent here in Saginaw with Bankers Life and Casualty Company. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so, uh, in in setting this up and in reading your emails about this, you mentioned a couple of general enrollment period and Medicare disenrollment period dates. What are they all about? They're two separate. Uh, sets, or they apply to two different sets of people. First of all, the general enrollment period are for people who, for whatever reason, have not signed up for Medicare during their open enrollment period. So maybe they were misinformed or they got misinformation from their human resources person. So let's, uh, I think as we go here, we got to define dates. So the open enrollment period refers to what? Somebody who's turning Medicare age, What what is the open enrollment period? It begins three months before the first date that you turn 65. So okay. if you turn 65 in May, right, so um, you go 4, 3, 2, so it starts in February. Okay. Okay. Right. So what I'm saying is if all, and then it runs for the three months after the end of May. So okay. June, July, August. So that's the window then. Right. So it's about a seven-month Seven-month, right. Correct. Okay. 
So let's say you've missed the entire thing, and now it's October. You are outside of your Medicare open enrollment period. You may have received a Medicare card only with Part A because they were given to you. That's automatic. But you didn't sign up for Part B for whatever reason. Maybe, like I said, you had gotten misinformation. Other persons, for example, may have had such extreme financial distress that they decided, I'll just delay. And it's not for me to really say it's a good idea or a bad idea. Treasury sold the U.S. government's last <laughs> remaining shares of our investment in General Motors. Ah, thank you very much. <laughs> wow. I love computers. As you were saying. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. So after the open enrollment period expires, you have the chance beginning every January 1st through March 31st. And so we are in that period now. Okay. To sign have up. another chance to sign up. Does it cost you something? Does it cost you more because you didn't do it? There are late enrollment penalties. Now, there is a group, if I understand this right, and I think I was in that group at one time, that it doesn't necessarily apply to, and that is if you have comparable coverage from your employer, correct? That then you is, don't have the penalties. If you have health insurance coverage if, as an active employee. Right. You cannot be retired, right? You cannot be retired. You cannot be the spouse of, who is the, of the active employee. Right. But if you're an active employee and you have comparable coverage... Then you can. Then that, that... You can delay the Part B, correct. You can delay the Part B and you do it without penalty. Correct. And and, and is there a window that you have to use or can you decide at any time? If, if all of a sudden your job ends in August, for example, can you then... I don't want to misstate it. There is a particular set of time after, for example, you stop working. Mm-hmm. That you have a certain period or window? Correct. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, so that's the one. Now, what in the world is a Medicare disenrollment date? <laughs> Actually, if I might just make one more point yeah, about that, general enrollment. Yeah. So you've got this time period between now and the end of March. And it, if you sign up for it during this period, it begins on July 1st. Okay. Okay. So you're buying ahead. Correct. So then you can then choose a Medicare Advantage plan, for example, and a Medicare Part D, et cetera. Whatever you, yeah, you correct. Can, this is that window. All right. So let's go back to this other date now Medicare disenrollment period. This is actually Medicare Advantage disenrollment period, meaning that let's say you have a Medicare Advantage plan and you are unhappy with it for some reason. Between now and February 14th, which is a different set of dates than the, the yeah. dates we talked before, you can cancel your Medicare Advantage plan and return to Medicare Part A, Part B, and select a standalone prescription plan. And then also a supplement if you want it, right? The supplement uh, portion, yeah. oh. <laughs> the supplement portion, you may be subject to medical underwriting. So depending, just because you can get out of your Medicare Advantage plan doesn't necessarily mean that you can go automatically into your Medicare supplement plan. All right, so here you go. Here's my question now. You mentioned this beautiful term, medical underwriting. Under Obamacare, 
insurance companies are no longer allowed to deny pre-existing conditions. Will that carry over to the supplement plans? No, because <laughs> Medicare supplement is a secondary layer of insurance. Right, yeah. It is not primary. Right. right. So Medicare. Obamacare only deals with primary then, huh? Not only that, but Obamacare it, it deals with non-Medicare beneficiaries. Yeah. So they can still do a medical underwriting on you. And uh, and different carriers will have different standards for acceptance. Yeah. Because I remember when I, when, I, when I had to fill out the application for Part F, mm-hmm. medical history sure. was part of that, and there were reasons for either putting you on the other Part F plan that has the deductible uh, or, or switching you to one of the others because they wouldn't accept you on Part F or the price would be different. Uh, there was something that if I didn't have any of it, but it would have it could they, have caused a problem. There are tier for that particular plan. They have the right to give you. They have the right to give you a different price based on your weight, for example, or BMI, body mass index. They didn't have the right to ask you the medical questions for that plan, for F. The tricky thing about Changing to a Medicare supplement plan is that in some cases you are, you have guaranteed issue, meaning that you had credible coverage because I you did, were I, your right, and then you decided to stop, right, and then you decided okay, well I'm going to now enroll in a Medicare supplement plan. Some subset of those plans you could change to directly without any questions. The plan that you mentioned, which is Plan F, is one of those. So there are some. There is quite a bit of fine print in the transition, but if you have the you know guidance of an expert, then you can certainly navigate. And you need one. I mean, it's just it's you know I call it the alphabet soup, but it's worse than that. I mean, alphabet soup. I can pull a letter out and see what it is. I mean, you know, but it's it's this whole thing. I mean, it's I think. I don't, you know, we get political again. Government doesn't run anything efficiently. The difficulty here is that, in addition to your point, the carriers are defensive for a reason, meaning that they don't want to misinform someone uh, or be blamed for misinforming someone. You said this, but you really meant that. So as a result... You know, my own personal view is that the advertisements you receive are watered down. They're watered down to the, they're diluted because they're afraid of that effect. It's like drug ads 20% on how it'll cure you, 20 seconds on how it'll cure you, and 40 seconds of how it'll kill you. You know, so they have these disclaimers <laughs> yeah. intentionally. Huge. Exactly right. All right, we got Ken in Bay City with us. You're on with J.O. Ken, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I had a question. If you retire from your job, you know, like you're, you're Medicare eligible, but you retire, you know, say a couple years afterwards, and uh, you then uh, are offered a second full-time job and you decline their health care insurance, are you then eligible for Medicare? And kind of a similar question would be, let's say you were off work for about four, four years and then you got a new job full-time, you then... And it does have health care coverage. You then, again, have to get out of Medicare. Now we're into the, uh, certainly into the deep end, but yes. <laughs> the, the answer is yes to your second question. Let's tack that one first. 
Because you're right, the people who are above, who are older than 65 now may return back to work after having been off work. And so let's say you're 65 and you've been retired and you have been a Medicare beneficiary. And at 68, you decide, I want to get a full-time job. And you return to work. That if that employer offers health insurance, then yes, you can actually turn off your Medicare Part B. I have a question, though. This is, and this is germane to what, what Ken is asking, all right? Is it not true that a lot of carriers that provide business health insurance, when you turn Medicare age, force you to go to Medicare, that they won't, you know, that the coverage ends when you become Medicare age and you, he may go to an employer and not be able to get their carrier because that carrier says, no, you're Medicare eligible. Is that not true? Not for active employees. Depen- and particularly for depending on the size, of, that is very complicated now because depending on the size of the employer, that tells <laughs> that tells the beneficiary it, which one is primary and which one is secondary. So, which gets me to my other question, which is mm-hmm. if you then decline the health care coverage, like like you take that employment and you say, "I will decline the coverage," then can you stay in Medicare? You can stay. Offer it. Oh, yeah. You can always stay in Medicare. I'll give you an example here. Exactly. When I um, uh, decided to go to Medicare off of the company health insurance here, then I had to sign a, a form that I was on Medicare. But then that allowed me to discontinue the health insurance here. All right, you're the perfect example of you know the advanced uh, student here. So <laughs> because it is it is re- reality that. The way that employers in general, in general, employers group coverage is when in totality inferior to Medicare plus supplement. Absolutely. I, or, am, I am better off it's on cheap, Medicare and it, my supplement plans. It's cheaper and it's actually and it's better, better coverage. Exactly. Yeah. And but the employer may be required to at least offer it to you. Right. Exactly. So, th- so to, they're following their regulations. And yet, the fact is that the Medicare beneficiary, their financial as well as their well-being from both perspectives, it is the rational decision to be out. So the, the simplified answer to Ken is that once he's on Medicare, he can choose to stay on it for life. Nobody can force him off of it, right? No one can force him off on it. But I did want to point out, you know, he asked a very subtle question, which is, can I accept my... Because what can happen is the employer may pay for everything and now the now the balance between cost right. and coverage changes yeah so i don't want to put words into someone's mouth or their financial situation so can that occur the answer is yes is that in widely encouraged the answer is no and that is in order to do that you've got to fill out a specific form by going to the social security administration that doesn't exist online you got to go to the administration. To do You've got to go physically to Social Security Administration. So did all this off. help you, Ken? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it totally cleared everything up. Oh, good. I'm uh, glad. <laughs> actually, I don't know how much time you have, but I was just going to explain. got about another minute. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I was just going to explain that I'm working at a job that provides health care coverage. I'll be retirement age soon, and I will still want to work a little bit. And I thought, you know, I'll retire. Now, when I retire, according to where I work, 
uh, I'll keep that health care coverage secondary to Medicare. Okay. And then I thought, sure. well, yeah, I want to go out and look for another job. So I, I thought, well, then I'd want to know, you know, what my status would be. And I think he did kind of clarify that. And, that, and that's interesting because when his policy that he has now becomes secondary to Medicare. Right. It really, in effect, becomes a supplement, doesn't it? It does, but reality, and it kind of is back to my original point about you, Art, which was that when you actually look at the language of that group plan, it won't be as good as your particular supplement. Ah, okay. And its price to the employee may be higher. Oh. I'm not going to tell you say that that's in every case. So, in other words, Ken should do a numbers game when he retires to see if what he has with his employer costs more than what he can get a supplement for that may give him better coverage. Health care and health insurance are two different matters. <laughs> and, yes, this yeah. is about the math of money, right. of course. Ken, we got to run, but good luck with it, buddy. All right, thanks. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye now. And uh, we'll take our last break, come back and close it.